Hello and welcome to Minta Dialogue, episode number 195. Today is Sunday, the 15th of May, 2016, and this interview is with Chris Palmedo, Associate Professor of Marketing, Media and Communications at the CUNY School of Public Health. In this podcast, we discuss the rise and importance of social marketing, where social marketing is about driving a higher purpose. There is much for business to pick up on, especially in changing consumer behaviors. We talk about several really interesting cases. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick and enjoy the show. So, welcome to the Minter Dialogue, and today, coming in from New York City, Chris Palomito, who I met with great fortune in Paris uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So, Chris, tell us who you are, what you're up to, and what's your mindset? Yeah, Minter, uh, one thing I didn't tell you is how to pronounce my name when Uh-oh. we first met. It's Palmetto, and it rhymes with tomato. <laughs> so, uh, that's my name, Chris right. Palmetto, uh-huh. and I'm an associate professor of media marketing and communications at the CUNY School of Public Health. CUNY is the City University of New York, and uh, City University of New York is a huge institution with 25 colleges and graduate schools representing 500,000 students in the city of New York. Mm -hmm. And I work for the School of Public Health, the Graduate School of Public Health and Health Policy, uh, where we teach students uh, and do research in the area of public health. That includes nutrition, epidemiology, uh, environmental and occupational health sciences, and I am in the area of community health and social sciences, where we work to uh, make the world a healthier place. And that involves uh, advocacy, political uh, lobbying, um, community organizing, health promotion, and in my area, communications and social marketing. We're going to be talking a lot about that. How about your mindset? How would you describe your mindset, Chris? My mindset is really, I, th- I would say, to listen and learn uh, and share. Uh, I think we're, we're on the, uh, this earth to connect with other beings, um, listen to what they have to say, um, to feel them, feel their love and their, their energy and share our energy with them. And uh, that's what I do in my classes. So from the beginning, uh, first day of when I teach, uh, I emphasize that I'm going to learn as much from you as you're going to learn from me. I'm going to suck as much energy out of you during this semester as you're going to get from me, and I mean that in a good way, um, not in not not in a uh, predatory way. Sure. Um, uh, but I um, I uh, feel that I want to get every ounce of energy I can get and knowledge from my students today uh, in the classroom. Uh, we uh, students are more. Uh, informed about the world than they ever were in the past because they are able to connect with each other through through technology uh, the way you and I are talking um, you're in what Paris now or, yeah, or I'm what? in Paris yeah. you're in Paris and you know we can connect now and so students have this awareness of, of, of the world that they didn't used to have and so um, and an awareness of each other through technologies so um, they have as much to offer um, as we offer them and and so my mindset again is to um, 
just kind of open your eyes to the extent you you can. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to do that as best as I can, but but that's that's what I'm trying to do. So it's all about connection. So it seems like to be in a good place to talk about social marketing with your students. How would you how would you describe um, social marketing? Because in the end of the day, that's, that's what we're really going to be talking a lot about. But how what's your definition of social marketing? Sure. Well, at first, I would say social marketing is not social media and that's uh you look up uh, social marketing on uh on the internet you go to google and search for social marketing you really should put the term in quotes because what you're going to get is social media marketing mm-hmm. and we all know what social media is youtube facebook snapchat yik yak um tinder uh these are all uh forms of social media which is at, which are very important tools in social marketing but what is social marketing social marketing is essentially uh, the use of marketing tools, commercial marketing tools. That's uh, you could summarize that as product, price, place, and promotion. Um, tried and true marketing techniques to get people to buy things, uh, to to develop products and sell them. Uh, social marketing uses those same techniques to achieve social good. And uh, sort of came of age in the '70s uh, uh, as a as a as a as a codified field, and uh, there were several definitions out there. Uh, a formal definition might be a, a process that uses marketing principles and techniques to influence target audience behaviors that will benefit society as well as the individual. Um, so it relies on creating, communicating, delivering, and exchanging offerings that have positive value for individuals, clients, partners, and society at large. Or a more simple way of saying it is just the application of commercial marketing principles and tools where the primary goal is the public good. So the end game is what makes the difference. The end game is what makes the difference. Um, <clears throat> what distinguishes social marketing from uh, what you uh, might call normal marketing or what I might call commercial marketing is I would ask, uh, what is the exchange that you're seeking here? Um, in the area of commercial marketing, the exchange is money for product. Usually that's the exchange. It's not, commercial marketing isn't always that way. We have, Of course, we have freemium services where people give away products, so there's no money exchange at first. Uh, so Facebook might be considered that way. So um, but 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 Facebook is a commercial entity. But they are in, in the case of a free Facebook, they are actually selling you ads. Um, and so, when you want to know what commercial, when you want to know what social marketing is, uh, you might ask, "What is the exchange? What is the goal? What is the goal for each person? And what's the wider societal goal?" So let's let's say one very common area, very. Um, uh, utilized area all over the world of social marketing is HIV and AIDS prevention. And often that means we want men to use condoms. So we have to get condoms uh, in the hands of men and uh, get them on their, you know, in, the, in front of their eyes and get them within reach. Um, and that's the specific case. But what's the larger goal? Um, so we think about those larger societal goals in social marketing, and in the case of HIV, AIDS, condoms, it's, you know, we want people to have loving relationships without the fear of illness or death. And so how do we achieve that? So condom distribution is one way to do that. Well, so the, uh, is the, I mean, if I just take that down a second, 
the bigger societal goal, I, I can understand. But the issue is, let's say I'm about to have sex. At that point, I'm not going to be thinking about the bigger societal goal. The issue there is you have to change your habit from what you were doing before to stretching out, going, making sure you have your packet beside you and putting it on. That's right. And when you think about how we apply commercial marketing techniques, let's talk about those four Ps. So what is the product? Well, you could say the product is safe sex, uh, sex that doesn't kill. Or you could say the product here is condoms. So that's, that's the product that we're trying to distribute here. Now, what's the price? If you give away a free condom, the price is free. But really, the price is... Um, sex isn't as enjoyable, some people would say. Yeah. Um, the price is you have to remember to have that packet. You have to, you have to have that, carry that packet around. Um, you have to maybe, uh, there may be a situation of discomfort where you say, excuse me, I've got to put the condom on. Those are what we think of as the price in terms of social marketing. Mm. So the price is so much more than just the financial price that you see in commercial marketing. What about the place? We talk about place in commercial marketing. Do you sell a product online? Do you, is it ubiquitous like McDonald's is in the United States? Well, in the case of condoms, where are those condoms distributed? Mm. Are they easy to find? Uh, or, or do you have to go out of your way to do them? So in college campuses, that's a very important issue is making sure the condoms are very easily accessible. Then there is the, um, the, the, so we talk about the product, we talk about the price, the placement, and then there's the promotion. And that's what a lot of people think of when they think of social marketing. That's where we have the, the posters, the flyers, the, the people, the, the students that, that uh, distribute the condoms and, uh, to, at parties. Uh, the way cigarette girls used to distribute cigarettes. Now we have people distributing condoms. That's the promotes an area of that. That's one way to promote the thing. Mm -hmm. So these are all the things that go into the single uh, issue of distributing a condom to someone who needs it. And uh, the, each one of these can have can can, can manifest themselves in, in very complicated ways. So, Chris, the issue or the, the thing that's going through my head is. Sometimes one's marketing in a commercial enterprise can veer towards cause marketing. The idea of trying to attach my commercial product to some greater cause or some greater purpose that then could very quickly can be considered as fake marketing. Let's if I take the case of Durex, therefore, selling condoms. What's the difference for them, and uh, or is it about just making more social their commercial marketing? Yes, uh, you could say bad marketing, but you don't have to say bad. Uh, uh, you know, there are people who feel that the entire commercial uh, capitalistic system that we have in place is is corrupt from the from the inside out, and. Um, uh, if you have that attitude, then um, and I respect that attitude. I, uh, but you, um, your view of those kinds of commercial marketing um, schemes uh, is affected by that. Um, but you don't have to have that attitude. So it may not be bad. And there's many, many commercial marketing entities that do sort of blur into social marketing. 
the case that um, one example that I like is Tom's shoes. Mm-hmm. Do you have Tom's shoes? In, I don't uh, have. Oh well, I don't feel aware of Tom's shoes. You, We've talked about him before on the podcast. So. You have, and you and I, I'm, when I say, uh, do you have him? I'm wondering, uh, do you see him in Paris no, and in London? No. Well, you see them everywhere in New York. They are the. I, I, I like to look at footwear when I'm on the subways of New York, and they are, in my personal observation, the number one footwear in the, in the city of New York in the summer in the subway. Um, 85% of the wearers are women, um, but they you can't go on a subway car without seeing a pair of Tom's shoes. Well, Tom's, of course, uh, is a commercial entity, but with a social mission of providing a pair of shoes to a child in need. Um, for every pair you purchase. And I wouldn't call that fake. I would call it sort of social entrepreneurial uh, slash social marketing slash commercial marketing. And uh, there are countless examples of that uh, where corporations have um, uh, components to their work that uh, have a social marketing element. Now, of course, there's also... Um, what you might call cause marketing or uh, corporate social responsibility responsibility campaigns where they provide funding for, you know, playgrounds and schools. And a big issue right now, by the way, to drift off on a tangent, if you don't mind, but this is what's going on right now, sort of in my world. One of the areas I'm interested in, uh, in terms of public health, is the enormous growth over the last decades in sugar-sweetened beverage consumption by American children. Uh, Sugar-sweetened beverages are, of course, soda, but they also include energy and sports drinks, which are heavily marketed. And you can't walk into one of these small grocery stores like a 7-Eleven in the United States without seeing a huge cooler filled with all varieties of colors of energy drinks and sports drinks, just loaded with sugar. And uh, what's happening is the uh, public health community is taking note of this and and making a connection to childhood obesity and, of course, diabetes and everything else. And the companies are now sponsoring uh, playgrounds, parks programs, school athletics programs, recreation facilities, YMCAs, and saying that, these products are fun and enjoyable and can be part of a healthy lifestyle. And a healthy lifestyle includes exercise. And that's very controversial. Some people say, let them support the exercise programs. Others say, we can't take any money from this and we need to expose this as deceptive practicing mm-hmm. so, to practices. So it's all a complex web of... Uh, <laughs> so when you have that discussion with your students, what, what, what goes down? I mean, is it sort of just, is it split down? Or yeah. do you... Do you do, do you detect a, a stronger urge one way or the other? That's a good question. Uh, we really do in the United States have a um, widening chasm I, I, I'm seeing among students and uh, adults in terms of political philosophy. So you can see that in the rise of uh, Donald Trump and uh, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders looks like he won't win the no. um, Democratic no. nomination, but he sure made a run of it that surprised myself and, and so many people. So among my students, I will see people who ha- run the gamut. So you'll have people that say, you know, the, co- the commercial capitalistic system is rotten to the core and we need to change it, and these soda companies are um, just putting tactics. A, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're you know, they're they're distracting us uh, from the real 
problem that they're causing, which is rampant increases in diabetes and obesity in our in our in our communities. Mm-hmm. Others will say, "Hey, if they want to support exercise and activity programs, let them do it. I mean, uh, why not? Why mm-hmm. money is money. Programs are programs. Uh, we can talk about their products." in one conversation, but that doesn't mean we can't allow them to support activity programs um, in another context. So the short, the answer to your question, summary answer to your question is, it's interesting in my classrooms uh, to talk to my students because they have very wide dis- disparate opinions on these issues. Well, at the heart of it and, and within social marketing, there are two things that I can think of. The first is ethics. And within a commercial context, ethics is a very different story, let's say, than when you are the United Nations trying to do some campaign to raise awareness of starving children in Africa. That, you know, well, let's, let's assume there's an ethical goodness to all that. Within the commercial enterprise, the issue of ethics is, well, is my product at heart ethical? And so this would be the, the idea of a cigarette, of a firearm, or other things which have, let's say, a lot of contradictions. Um, um, it could be disputed whether they are good for society. And the second thing is, and, and goes back to this idea of good or bad <coughs> marketing, is the authenticity with which that the company operates on that on that scale. So if you take Tom's, the CEO, founder. Uh, lives and breathes and is what is the brand. And everyone in the organization actually signs up and works for that company because they, they drank that Kool-Aid. Right. Patagonia would be another example. Absolutely. And there, there, fortunately, there are many great ones. Of course, the issue in each of those is generally in the case of Yvon Chouinard. He, he was there, he, but then one day he has to move along. And the challenge is continuing that gestalt, that uh, basic drive as the CEOs then succeed and become, let's say, commercial or, you know, um, even maybe more mercenary in their format and the kind of how they manage the shareholders. Anyway, so the two points of this, one is the ethical element. Is your product at heart ethical? And two, with regard to your social marketing with a commercial enterprise, how authentic is it within? Well, in terms of ethics, um, <clears throat> again, um, there's so many different uh, spectra around which it's it's never so simple around which we can look at ethics. So one example might be the issue of the product and who uses it. Um, so when you talk about, uh, and what I'm referring to is kids. So if you look at soda and energy drinks and that they're marketed to kids, um, that in and of itself is an ethical issue. And that's different than marketing um, products to Adults and of course, tobacco has been criticized for um, conducting large and extensive campaigns marketed to kids, even though they didn't admit it. So, Joe Camel, for example, mm-hmm. uh, might be considered uh, clearly uh, a, an extensive marketing campaign aimed for kids. So, that's an ethical issue to consider. How, to what extent, do kids? Um, have a role in these products, uh, in purchasing these products. In the case of sports drinks, uh, you have, these are loaded with sugar, and the kids uh, are being marketed to by their favorite uh, sports athlete, basketball, for example, Michael Jordan, be like Mike and drink Gatorade. Well, if you really want to be like Mike, you have to exercise a lot, but um, the message to the kids is if you just drink this Gatorade, even if you're sitting around watching TV, you'll be like Mike, and we really do have a rising um, 
we have had major rising rates of childhood obesity over the last 20 years, and I attribute that a lot to uh, these massive marketing campaigns of, of uh, energy drinks, but also, say, even Coca-Cola, whose mantra has been uh, put a Coca-Cola within an arm's reach of desire anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, that, has, that is uh, many of those arms are little arms, uh, <laughs> uh, and they're 10-year-old, 8-year-old, you know, 12-year-old kids who are very susceptible to the nutritional um, detrimental uh, formulations of these, of these products. So that's one issue. <clears throat> the other issue in terms of ethics is you talk about elite, a, a product, but... Um, if you look at the extensive marketing campaigns, even toward adults, young adults, and let's say in this case I'm referring to uh, alcohol, uh, and there's um, a, a wonderful book by a colleague of mine, distinguished professor at the CUNY School of Public Health named uh, Nick Freudenberg, who wrote a book called Lethal But Legal. He talks about industries that are legal, namely, you mentioned firearms, um, cigarettes, fast food and junk food and soda, and also alcohol, and looks at a case of, um, I think it was Diageo, the, the massive alcohol um, uh, consortium, who recognized, and I'm, I'm sort of uh, uh, providing uh, maybe um, uh, an unnecessarily brief um, and simplistic version of the story, but the gist of it is a massive company with massive marketing budgets identified Young women as an area we can grow uh, uh, financially. And so what they did was they hired spokespeople that appealed to young women, produced product, you know, product formulation, made whipped cream, flavored vodkas, and uh, vanilla, you know, latte vodkas, etc., and uh, marketed heavily to women, young women, and flash forward a, a year or two down the road, and, of course, uh, the market share increased, and more and more young women were binge drinking, um, uh, uh, getting in trouble uh, because they were drunk at parties. Uh, you know, finding themselves in situations where um, you know they regretted it. Uh, and you can blame the individual for those choices, but you also should. We should open up this conversation to what extent was this. Uh, corporation responsible for this because the facts remain once they increase their marketing of these products toward this specific target audience consumption went up and um, problems ensued so I'd say that's another issue that we would ask ourselves in terms of this ethical question I'm sorry the other thing I would say is uh, there are Companies that ha- have so much social good, um, and yet we sometimes forget the externalities. So, uh, for example, um, environmental externalities of a um, tech company, uh, a computer company that makes great stuff that makes us our lives, makes us thrive and express ourselves in new ways that we didn't. But every time they change a, an outlet plug or you know a connected a connectivity plug. Or they page a pro- they they create a new product. The old product is obsolete, and where does all that stuff go? So that's just a personal issue that I wonder about. But all these environmental detrimental concerns that we have uh, in specifically like the area of, of tech. Um, so that's all to say that uh, these ethical issues are complex and um, and and they're very interesting. They certainly are. So Chris, when you're in your class or your classes, are you focusing on 
teaching and learning about social marketing as a governmental type of agency and trying to impact society, as in the populace, or and is it about finding ways for these governmental type of institutions to impact and change the way companies are operating within their marketing? What, how do you angle? What, what part of this story are you angling? When changing, in other words, consumer behavior or changing company behavior? Yeah, social marketing tends to focus on consumer behavior, individual behavior, getting people to make healthier decisions. Um, and so um, in the case, uh, just another example, a classic uh, example of social marketing is malaria in Africa. Ultimately, the product was mosquito nets. So they have to figure out how to get families to put mosquito nets over their beds. These are decisions, um, these are marketing efforts to get people to adopt healthier behaviors. Um, and they, those social marketing can you know, run all kinds of gamut, get, getting people to recycle, um, for example. Um, but getting people to drink more water. But uh, public health is, of course, very concerned with what we call advocacy and upstream systemic changes. And that's where we do use... Uh, Everything from communicating directly to corporations to um, request that they change practices uh, or go to uh, regulatory agencies, governments, and literally change policy. Mm. So, for example, in uh, cases that uh, examples I've been involved in in the past and many public health uh, people have been involved in over the last couple of decades is uh, tobacco control. So that means passing laws. First, saying um, smoke-free workplace laws, saying no one can smoke uh, in in restaurants, um, and that required legal change because companies did not voluntarily make those rules. They had to be done at the government level, uh, and then of course in bars, uh, all even bars, and now uh, there is no smoking in you know any public uh, buildings in the U.S. And um, but those are things that had to be done from a systemic advocacy level. So we do public health that's concerned with all these different levels uh, from uh, government, governmental levels. And that could be federal government, state government, city government, county government. Menu labeling is an example of that in the U.S. now. Sure. And different states have laws and cities have laws that uh, chain restaurants must post the calorie count of their product. So if you go to McDonald's and you look at a Big Mac on the, on the big board, it says this Big Mac has 575 calories or whatever it is. Um, and uh, that was a law that had to be passed. But in terms of social marketing, that's mostly is focused on individual change, getting people to stop littering, right. getting people to recycle more, getting people to... Um, to uh, use their make more wise decisions around their finances, for example. All right. So, in the last uh, five minutes we have, Chris, what I'd like to focus in on is what you have learned uh, on the, <coughs> on changing people's behaviors. Because at the end of the day, that's what marketing's trying to do. You didn't buy this before. You have this need. Buy this product. Change your behavior. Buy mine, not the others. So in terms of what you've learned through the social marketing that you've been doing, how do you identify uh, the best practices and some of the lessons learned for changing people's behaviors? 
Yeah, over the years, I've been in health communications. I've been in communications for 25 or so years. And I'd say the big change that I've I've had uh, over the years is this the, the idea that you really need to understand people. You need to have empathy. You cannot spend enough time listening and learning and getting into the minds of the people you're trying to reach. So in the early days of my career, I worked for health care companies, insurance companies, um, nonprofit uh, insurance organizations, and we would communicate out and we would craft our message um, and we would make sure that uh, we were being grammatically correct, and we were being as punchy. Our sentences were as punchy as possible. Same thing with some of the advertising. Worked in an advertising agency, and we just spent a lot of time amongst ourselves talking about how this advertisement or this message or this brochure uh, sounded or looked uh, according to ourselves. And uh, of course, uh, you know. Market research has been around forever, and we always, you know, you test them, you test it with people. But recently, I think there's been much more time spent um, on all these issues, more than just testing by the focus group, but getting in the minds of people, living with people, ethnographic research, following people around. Companies now go right into, you know, you know how companies, we, and we do learn so much from corporations. Companies go right into people's. Uh, Apartments and homes, and follow them around. Set up cameras, um, talk, but but we can't spend enough time listening, talking, understanding. And there's there's what people say uh, uh, that we can learn from, but there's also cultural practices, and there's a lot of work going on in identifying cultures, different cultures, and how youth uh, segment themselves in different cultures. And there's a great social marketing organization called Rescue Social, used to be called Rescue Social Change uh, out of San Diego. And they're doing great work in the tobacco control industry, uh, in the the tobacco control world, uh, to uh, understand how youth um, uh, identify themselves and then developing uh, exchanges directly targeting um, those uh, segments. So audience segmentation, understanding that different people um, see the world in different ways, and we have to craft messages that resonate with those people. So, if you uh, take the case of uh, tobacco, yes, going into a room and watching a bunch of people open up their pack of cigarettes in a natural environment, and then completely disregarding the tobacco kills, here are your lungs with you know ten black years of of tar, and, and observing them just completely blithely, not, you know, not observing any anything to do with the the warnings. Then how do you move from that to something more effective? Well, uh, one area is what we call, uh, and Rescue does a great does great work in this area called social branding, and 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 uh, the idea there is, uh, let's say you look at a hundred youth with cigarettes. some of those youth will identify in some ways. They may identify in an urban culture, for example, sort of a hip hop type of culture, and they they may have their values might be about um, uh, independence um, and, uh, and doing things your own way, um, and uh, and 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 listening to your friends and family, and and that's your kind of touch points. Um, and they have a certain cultural uh, touch points as well, certain kinds of music. Then there's another group that say uh, what might be called the country audience. And they, for them, 
uh, they see things differently. They, they have a respect for authority. They like country music. They like the outdoors. And so if you're speaking in with to the values of that group, um, you want to, you want to use those values to reach them. Um, if you are, but if you just talk about tobacco kills, you're maybe not reaching anybody. So what the important thing is to, is to understand how people see the world, what they value. Do they value family? Do they value authority? Do they like alternative thrashy music? Do they care about animal testing? Do they care about, um, uh, litter? Uh, is 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 uh, is uh, do is the fact that co- these large tobacco companies are manipulating you into buying these products is that important to you? Uh, all these different values and and uh, and and concerns that youth have. Uh, the Truth campaign was was great. It was one of the first landmark campaigns to do this to understand what it is that that resonates with different youth. Um, those are the questions you have to ask to get them to change. So in the case of tobacco, for many years, it was smoking kills, smoking's bad for you, smoking causes cancer, and we're going to have an authority figure named the Surgeon General tell you this. Mm-hmm. And what do children want to, young people want to do when they take up smoking is rebel against authority. So those message that the Surgeon General is here to tell you that smoking kills actually fueled the growth <laughs> in smoking it's crazy you know chris we're gonna have to stop but i I just feel like we're just beginning to get hot because this whole (laughs) this you know it's it's crazy you know all this money all this time we've spent in public policy forcing cigarette manufacturers to write this up at great cost to them which i i you know completely goes the opposite way as opposed to if public policy politicians actually learned how to have empathy themselves actually learn to go out and find out what's happening as opposed to, you know, the power that, that comes with being a politician and then crafts messages that they then then spin back into the cigarette manufacturer. We might actually get somewhere. Cool. We're we gonna... might. And let me just quickly say, so keep, your, uh, keep your eye on soda and sugar-sweetened beverages because that's the new tobacco and we're trying to apply, public health is applying those same lessons learned. Uh, and it's a little bit different because uh, it's a little... Uh, it's a little bit more difficult to say that uh, soda Kills. is as evil as a product as tobacco. And mm. maybe it's not, but uh, I would say to people who are interested in this area, keep your eye on that war because it's. I find it to be very fascinating. It'll be very interesting to see how it uh, plays out. And again, very different cultural experiences. So, Chris, Palmetto. <laughs> tell <laughs> you're, us, you're a good learner. I am. You're a good man. listener. Listen and learn. And uh, tell us, how can people uh, follow you, track you down, or get in touch with you? Well, Twitter is easy. C. Palmetto, C-P-A-L-M-E-D-O. Uh, but as a professor uh, at the CUNY School of Public Health in New York City, I'm easy to find there. So if you um, can do a Google search, but uh, there aren't a lot of people um, with my name. And, um, Especially not in uh, CUNY. But but for now, I, I C Palmetto is my handle on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Snapchat. I'm trying to figure out Snapchat because that's what all the kids use today, and yes. we need to reach uh, at the CUNY School of Public Health. We do a lot of uh, health. If we had more time, I'd tell you about the interventions we do with uh, our students to try to that to get them to live healthier lives. Huh. Uh, and the way to do that these days, they're saying, is Snapchat. So. 
Uh, I can be found on Snapchat at C Palmetto. I can be found on Twitter at C Palmetto. I can be found on LinkedIn at C Palmetto. So a good personal brand for us. <laughs> Great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining in. Enjoy your Sunday. Absolutely. My pleasure, Mentor. Such a pleasure to talk to you. I hope we can do it again offline. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. That's mindset with a Y. Where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.